let's have a word of prayer, and then we will read uh, the flow of the context, which is verse 35 through 49. Um, our focus this day will be on verses 45 through 49 on the first resurrection, or I guess I was thinking about this while I was kind of rewriting this sermon, was uh, the prototype. So anyway, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we come uh, at this season, at this time, when the world is setting the stage to remember the birth of a child. And yet, Lord, as we draw together today to look at your word, we are dealing with the resurrection. And Father, that child was raised from the dead after mankind murdered him. And yet, Father, that is the first fruit. Thank you, Lord, that... uh, You have given us such a gracious gift, eternal life in the presence of the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Father, may we humbly come before you with gratitude in our hearts, with a focus on your kingdom and your righteousness, and give you the praise for all that you have already done. In Christ's name, amen. Beginning there in verse 35. But someone will say, How are the dead raised? And what kind of body do they come? You fool. That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which it will to be, is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished, and to each of the seeds of a body of its own. All flesh is not the same, but there is one flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another flesh of birds, and another of fish. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is... One glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for the star differs from star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown an imperishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor, is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, and is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So also it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthy, so also are those who are earthy. And as is the heavenly, so also those who are heavenly. Just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. Brothers and sisters, this is good stuff. Let me try to package this thing up so it fits into one container. All right. We've seen a form of the resurrection in verses 39 through the first part of 42. 
Right? It was a form. He showed us a resurrection. And it was based on, on a seed, on the sowing, on agriculture. But then he took that same argument and he laid it out in a form that contrasts the resurrection. It was sown perishable. It was raised imperishable. It was sown, literally means corruptible. But it was sown incorruptible. It was raised, sown in dishonor. It dishonored God. But it will be raised in glory, in glory to God. It was sown one way. It is raised another way. And he contrasts that. But see, we've already given us an illustration of it in verses 36 to 37. He's already laid it out. He says, here is how a seed goes into the ground. Do you know what it's going to look like when it comes out? No. And you plant that seed and it is dead and it bursts forth this new life as God wills. He's already given a, a, a very, um, very simple picture of what is the resurrection. One is sown in weakness and is raised in power. So he gave us that contrast. He showed us the form of the resurrection. He's already illustrated the resurrection. He says, and this is what we are like. We need to understand this. But then he goes into detail here, in verses 45 through 49, which I call the first resurrection, okay, uh, or the prototype. Okay, and, and, and when you start thinking about resurrection, a body, bodily, physical, literal resurrection, how do we get a handle on this? How do, how do I grasp this? Okay, and I like what the Apostle Paul does. It's one of my favorite things that he does. Verse 45, so also it is written. <laughs> that would be one of those statements that you and I love to hear. Thus saith the Lord. It is written. How do I get a handle on it? Then he quotes Genesis 2-7 and he talks about the first Adam being a living soul. He quotes him and he says... Adam became a living soul. He adds the first man. He's pulling out a scriptural principle to illustrate the point that he has just made. What is the point that he has just made? There's a contrast in the resurrection. There are forms of the resurrection right here before you, and I've already illustrated the resurrection. So now then, let's look at the first resurrection. Let's look at the prototype. The natural body and the supernatural body. Okay? Now, we throw supernatural around a lot. Um, I have not seen, other than the redemption of a soul, anything that qualifies as supernatural. Okay? Now, I hear people say, well, there's a cable show that talks. It's not Ghostbusters, but it's something about finding ghosts or talking to ghosts or seeing ghosts or, and stuff like that. And, 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 and it's comical for me to watch because the guy who's leading this thing up is a plumber. <laughs> Do I need to say anything more? That would be like an electrician going ghost hunting. <laughs> so anyway, um, but we see these things and we look at natural body, okay, and then we dwell on the supernatural body. And they're different. But look what he says. He uses a fascinating illustration here. The first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Verse 46. However, 
The spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. Okay, so when Adam was made, he was given a natural body. Okay, he did not have a glorified body. It was a natural body. It was very similar to mine and yours. Okay, you know, and I look at this, had he passed his probation time, God perhaps would have transformed him by the fruit of the tree of life. And it would have become a glorified body. Please do not buy the thought that Adam was a glorified being. He came from what? Dirt. All right? That is not a glorified beginning. Okay? Christ, the second Adam, has existed forever. Eternal. All right. Had he not sinned, um, then God probably would not have kept him away from the tree of life. But upon his sinning, the problem he was kicked out of the Garden of Eden was to keep him away from the tree of life, which would have made him forever sinful. Did you get that? Adam was given a natural body, a living body, and it was for this Age. That's why you see Paul use terms like we are of the seed of Adam. Why? We have a body that is for this age. But the last Adam, Jesus. Okay, we, 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 we've got to get a hold of this because it says the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Adam gave us a natural body because he was created with one. That's all he has the ability to give. All right? Christ gives us a spiritual body because he was the first resurrection. Remember, we looked at the term first fruit. He was the first fruit of the resurrection. He is the guarantee of the resurrection. Paul uses the Adam and Christ analogy many, many, many times. And here's the reason. It is a perfect illustration how the act of one man affects a whole race. That's why Paul uses it. As one sinned by Adam, it brought sin to all. To all. And as one man, Adam, received a natural body, guess what? So do we all. So with one man Christ, by one act, one righteous act, he redeemed many. And now that one resurrected Christ receiving one glorified body, he's the prototype for all resurrection. Okay, the first for all resurrection. This is what the Apostle Paul is using Adam and Christ as the analogy. Why? Because they are the one. That one act did all of this. But that one act of Christ brings the resurrection to all who believe. See, it's, it's the 
person does the one thing and has the ramifications for the whole race. Okay? It it would be like the contrasting of the two heads of families. Okay? The head of this family has a whole impact on that whole family. Right? Whereas Adam had a whole impact on the human race, Jesus Christ. And if you're truly honest with yourself, Jesus Christ has a whole impact on the whole of human race. Some of them is not going to be as happy as the others, but they're still going to have an impact. And he will have ramifications for eternity. Whereas Adam's is only for the temporal. So Adam is a prototype of the natural pertaining to this life, pertaining to the earthy, he said last week, pertaining to what I need to to make my way through this time and this place that is bound by time. And Christ is the prototype or the first for the spiritual. Look what he says. It is written, the first Adam, okay, became a living soul out of the dirt. The last Adam became a what? Life-giving spirit. Do you understand what the difference of those two implications are? Okay, one had to be created, one was already there. All right, verse 46, you see the sequence. The first received the natural body in this life. Look at that. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. Then the spiritual. All right, the first received it. Jesus Christ received a natural body. He was already existing. And then the supernatural, the next life. Okay, the first that which is suited for this life. Where we have to live. It works here. It moves me around here. But then, because of the second Adam, because of Christ, verse 46, then is the spiritual. And I will receive a spiritual body. And it will be suited to the life to come. It's unique. You know what? Let's be realistic. Just look at the room today. Just this room. Everyone in this room is unique. And yet our bodies, this manifestation, this glory is suited for where I'm at. And yet I know that there's coming on the other side, the spiritual side, I will receive a body and that body will be unique in one, we will be as unique as we are on the natural side, but we will live in a unique existence. It's an eternal existence. You know, I can't grab that. I can tell you it. It's eternal. Well, how long? Forever. Well, how long is that? Oh, a whole bunch of longs. What am I going to say? I don't know. Any longer than Mount Rushmore. And, 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 and it's, it's, it goes beyond that. See, Christ is not of this earth. He eternally existed. 
Okay, just think about that for a second. How long is that? Back before there was time, space, or matter, he existed. Okay, so how do you exist before time? Ponder that one for a minute. And yet you have a vessel that cruises around in that. And I don't even know what that means. So to say it's unique is unique. Because it is beyond what you and I can grasp. Verse 47, he goes back to the analogy. Okay, he, he, he gives you that in 45 and 46. And then he goes, the first man is from the earth. From the dirt earthy the second man is from heaven it's from heaven the lord of heaven the lord from heaven is literally what is the translation adam has given us an earthly existence an earthy existence it's here christ has given us a heavenly existence Adam has given us a body that is made out of dust. Christ has given us one specifically formed with a heavenly capacity. I don't even know what that means. Other than he can sit to the cross and say, today you'll be with me in paradise. Where's that? Up. Where? On the other side of the stars. Oh, okay. Are we driving? See, what Paul is saying is that this one that comes out of the dust will end up having to go back to the dust. And yet, because the one was raised up out of the grave, it grants to all of us the spiritual side. Think about it. Because of Adam, that grants to all of us the same natural body. Correct? I mean, they don't look the same, but they are the same. They are flesh and bone and blood and organs and, and they're different shapes and different makeups. But the truth of the matter is they are of the earth. If you try to take this body and go to the other side of the universe, you are going to be sorely disappointed when you get there. Christ is coming out of the grave and he is the guarantor. He is the first fruit of the spiritual side, of the heavenly side. First is from the earth, earthy. The second is of heaven. Okay, verse 48 says, as is the earthy, so also are those who are earthy. Okay, those who are of Adam, the first man, act like Adam. I mean, it's almost like he summarizes it in verse 48. As is. Read that phrase right there. As is. The earthy. As is. The heavenly. So are those who are heavenly. So are those who are earthly. As is. As is Adam, so are we. You know, it's funny because people say, well, what if Adam hadn't sinned? Well, you would have. <laughs> you see what I mean? And if you wouldn't have done it, I'd have done it. And I'm thinking that it would have probably broke down way before I got to it. 
Okay, We are as Adam. It is our nature. It is our makeup. It is what we are. So as Adam is earthy, then what is we going to be? As Christ is heavenly, then what? So will we be. Adam is going to be earthy and in Christ we're going to be heavenly. Have you ever thought of that? You ever pondered that? I mean, it's, if we're really honest with you, it's a very simple flow of thought that he's got here. He says, the scripture teaches it. The one man came from the earth. By one, we all have been fitted for the earth. By one, we will all be fitted for the heavenlies. That's fascinating. That is just fascinating. So also are those who are heavenly. We are headed for the heavenlies. Have you thought about it? Listen to the stuff that gets us twisted up, gets us anxious, gets us worrying. It's earthy. It's earthy. You know what that means, right? It's going back to dirt. But we sure lose a lot of sleep over it, don't we? We'll get wrinkles and gray hair or no hair. Why? Because it's going back to dirt. Yay. And yet we stress over it. And he says, by the resurrection, why? Look at verse 49. Now watch this, because i got some other stuff we're going to chase down. But I want you to show you something here. Just as we have what? Born the image. Of what? The earthy. Why? The first Adam. We bear that image, don't we? We look like it. We move around. Gravity has an effect on us. Doesn't it? I mean, even when you're not walking up and downstairs, it's still pulling on you. Right? And you get, as you spend more time in it, it pulls down more. <laughs> I don't know how to say that one quite right yet. I'm still working on it. You, you start sagging. That sounds awful, doesn't it? Anyway. It pulls on us. The first prototype of the earthy was who? Adam. Therefore, just as we have what? Born the image of the earthy. You got that? Listen, look around. Do we bear the image of the earthy? I go, I've been working over in Perry Park, and I go across Toma Road. There is a huge herd of elk cruising around over in there. I'd probably just short of a hundred. Okay? And I mean, it's a big old herd. You know what's funny? Everybody stops and looks at them. Uh, everybody. Not only there. You guys live over here. Uh, why you... You just, what, just noticed them today? I mean, I've seen them every trip that I've made to Perry Park when I go over Toma Road. There they are. 
Just standing there looking at you. What? We can stir up traffic again. But we look at it in all, don't we? Wow, look at that. And they're probably looking at us going, oh. <laughs> We're waiting for the redemption of men. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> so I don't have to stand out here and eat grass and freeze my butt off. Anyway. We bear that image. We look around. We are bound by the stuff around here. We look around, brothers and sisters. Do we not all bear the image of the earthy? Absolutely. Check out the second half of that phrase. We will also bear the image of the heavenly. Wow. <laughs> Listen, you can't separate us from Adam, can you? You can't. Okay? Guess what? You won't be able to separate us from Christ. That is the implication of that verse. I mean, I don't care how you argue it. You cannot say that if you were born a man or woman today, you do not bear the image of the earthy. Right? So in the first, the prototype, the first thing that you will come out of it is say, I want to know what he is like in his resurrection because that's what I'm going to be like. What was he like in his resurrection? In his resurrection, you know, here's some amazing stuff about his resurrection. And I'm going to have a blast with this when I'm resurrected. He could appear and disappear. That's why you can't ever be married in heaven. (laughs) I'll let you guys ponder it. (laughs) You can just think about it for a while. But if you have the ability to appear and disappear, I doubt if you can be married. (laughs) I'm thinking that the two will not... Anyway, those are not compatible. But he could. He's there and then he ain't. He was there with the guys in Emmaus and then he was gone. Where'd he go? They didn't see him walk off. They didn't see him. He was and he wasn't. You know what? He, you can, he could go through walls. And, yeah, and eat fish. You know what? He had the ability to go from one place to another only by thought. Ponder that for a second. I just think it and it happens. He could eat. He could sit. He had the ability to show his scars. He could speak. And you know what's really good about him being able to speak? He could be understood. There are people who talk today that I do not understand. Yet, he was so glorified, if he didn't reveal himself, they would never even know who he was. So different. And yet, so the same. He was incorruptible. 
an amazing text, and I want you to just think about it. You guys don't have to go turn to these. You can just write them down and go look them up later. Out of Acts chapter 1, verse 11, it says, They also, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into the sky? Jesus has ascended. This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you watched him go into heaven you know what literally the text is telling us no matter how long he got he's gone no matter how many years he's gone he will come back exactly as when he left there's no aging even now we're two thousand years out he won't come back with a cane and i'm back That is your resurrected body. No matter what happens. Now, it will be glorious. There's no doubt when Jesus appeared to the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, um, Paul was literally blinded. The flash was so bright. It was so glorious, so brilliant that his eyes had to recover from the glory that he looked at. That's the kind of body we're going to have when we go to heaven. Fascinating. Listen, the flesh will be gone. The flesh, the earthen vessel that you are in right now blocks the glory of God. Listen, the spirit dwells you. The glory is imputed to you now. It dwells you. But this clay pot blocks it. Your flesh blocks it because your flesh is sinful. And yet, now, the God, this, this is going to go always. At the resurrection, you become transparent. God's glory will blaze through you, will shine through you completely unrestricted. Ah, Terry, aren't you pushing that a little far? No, man. Matthew chapter 13, verse 43 says this. This is speaking of separation of tares and wheat, but here's what he says. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun, S-U-N, in the kingdom of their father, he who has ears, let him hear. That's just flat out shining brightly. Because in that time we will be absolutely, we will only glow like the sun. We will only glow like the sun. S-U-N. We will only glow like the sun. S-O-N. Fallen men would look upon us and they would go blind at our presence. Blazing sun. In the letter to the Philippians, chapter 3, verse 21, it says this, Who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His 
glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. The fact that Jesus Christ, everything on creation is subject to him is the same level of power that he will transform our humble bodies that it will manifest his glory. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 says, we will only be like him. That's all. We, and at Luke 24, we will walk, we will eat, we will talk, we can touch, and yet we will be the same, and yet we will be vastly different. Go through walls. We will know as we are known. That's the kind of body we'll have, the resurrection. Okay, now I want to wrap this up because we've seen an illustration of the resurrection, okay, and it was based on what does our resurrection bodies look like? And we've seen it illustrated. It is planted as God wills and it is raised as God wills, right? Okay, but then we've seen the form of the resurrection. It's no different than a seed being planted in the ground. We've seen the contrast of the resurrection. The contrast was perishable comes out imperishable. Dishonor comes out glorified. Weakness comes out powerful. So powerful that we will blaze like the sun. So something I want you to think about. Okay? We're looking at Christmas. It's Wednesday. Thursday, and everybody's all excited about it. In light of that, why would you be attached to this body? Why do we not, as Paul say, count all things in this life dung, manure, Why don't we? It's already been proven to us. The resurrection belongs to all of those who love the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a guarantee. Why do we get so attached to this life? Why do we get so attached to the here? When we have this, listen, brothers and sisters, this is the hope of the church. We go into the grave and we do not even have to be sorrowful. We don't even, even we who stay behind for this short time, why would we be sorrowful for a saint to go into the grave? Dude, they're going to be able to appear and disappear. (laughs) I like that idea. I will be able to travel all of existence at a thought. I will know my God as my God knows me. I'll be able to walk through walls. I'll be able to eat. I'll be able to reveal myself when I feel like it and shut her down when I feel like it. 
I will only be able to worship in perfection. Listen, we go into the grave, we can know that Jesus is going to take us out of the grave. I think about this Christmas season right now. What is your hope? What is your hope in for this Christmas? Is there that one gift that you really, really hope you get? And I will tell you this one thing. The greatest gift has already been given. Yes, the birth in Bethlehem was a tremendous gift. But let me tell you something. The resurrection will blow your socks off. It's the gift that keeps on giving. For eternity. I'll close with this. Please, my friends. Let us invest ourselves in the eternity and not in the time. In light that as we bear the image of the earthy, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. Where I lay up my treasures. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that at this horrible cost, the death of your son, you have granted us, we who believe, eternal glorified bodies in your presence for eternity. Father, help us. Help us in a, in a day and an age of clutter to cut through that clutter. And live in light of the resurrection. Thank you, Father, for our brother Paul, who, by your leading, gives us these wondrous texts that we may rest in the fullness of what you've given us. It's not even earthy, it is only heavenly. Help us, Jesus. To walk in the manner of our calling, in a manner worthy of resurrected people, glorified and being glorified. Father, seal us in your spirit. And Father, may the things of this world grow dim. As the light of the risen Christ shines brighter and brighter through his people. Help us, Father, in Christ's name. Amen.